Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Wednesday, June 7th in Hong Kong, Tuesday, June 6th in New York. And coming up today, Coinbase is being sued by the SEC for allegedly breaking U.S. securities rules. Sequoia Capital will split into three firms by next March. And China's biggest banks have reportedly been asked by authorities to lower their deposit rates. Reports of high-level talks in the coming weeks between the foreign ministers of the U.S. and China. Ukraine and Russia blame each other for the breach of a critical dam in Ukraine. Chris Christie in. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, the business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast. Available on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Brian Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission filing that lawsuit over Coinbase Global. The regulator alleged that the company has been running an illegal exchange. The SEC accused Coinbase of evading its rules for years by letting users trade numerous crypto tokens, tokens that were actually unregistered securities. This comes a day after the regulator sued crypto exchange Binance for breaking securities rules as well. SEC Chair Gary Gensler has repeatedly argued that most crypto tokens are subject to his agency's oversight. Here's Gensler speaking earlier on Bloomberg. Look, I think the crypto industry more broadly, if it's going to have any success going forward, has to come into compliance with basic public policy about disclosure, about avoiding conflicts, about segregating, properly segregating customer funds and guarding against fraud manipulation. Gensler said the SEC worked with 10 states to bring its complaint against Coinbase, and he said that the agency's efforts to clamp down on crypto are designed to protect investors and the U.S. market integrity. Coinbase shares finished down 12 percent in New York. Well, Brian teed it up a moment ago. The PGA Tour and Saudi-backed Live Golf have agreed to a shocking merger. Now, under terms of this deal, the PGA Tour... Live Golf and the DP World Tour, as well as the European Golf Circuit, will combine their golf-related businesses and rights into a new commercial entity vis-a-vis an LLC. Now, financial terms were not disclosed. Live has spent millions trying to lure away some of the biggest players on the PGA Tour, and this new accord will bring an end to all litigation between both sides. We heard earlier today from Bloomberg's Jason Kelly. 
What happened is basically this was not going to be sustainable. These were like blood rivals in, yeah. in a lot of ways. Lawsuits back and forth. And, you know, Liv really put a dent, at least sort of theoretically, in, in what the PGA was doing. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to come together and, and be really the most dominant voice in, in golf. That is Bloomberg's Jason Kelly. By the way, this deal also marks a significant victory for Saudi Arabia, which backed Live Golf through its sovereign wealth fund. The kingdom is now assured of having a prominent voice in a major sport as it deploys oil riches to try to increase its global influence. Brian. And this one was really a big surprise. I, I heard and saw a lot of players quoted just saying, no way. They couldn't believe it. So how they kept it quiet, too, is interesting. Well, venture capital powerhouse Sequoia Capital said it is breaking up into three distinct entities around the world. The company has been an umbrella brand for three already largely independent ventures. One is focused on China, another on the U.S. and Europe, and a third on India and Southeast Asia. Sequoia said a future split uh, would occur no later than the end of March of next year. We get more from Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow. What the partners of each regional unit said in the statement is that they're running decentralized organizations with a centralized back office. And it just isn't making any sense, particularly when you consider the competing policy standpoints of the United States and China right now. And the difficulty, not just the difficulty, but the debate around deploying U.S. originated capital into Chinese startups. And when the split occurs, the Sequoia China business will retain its existing name in Chinese and adopt the name Hongshan in English. Sequoia India and Southeast Asia, meanwhile, will become peak 15 partners with 15 in Roman numerals. And the U.S. and Europe venture capital business will continue to be known as Sequoia Capital. Well, there is a new problem for America's largest aircraft manufacturer. Bloomberg's Tom Busby has more. Boeing has to delay deliveries of its massive, long-range 787 Dreamliner jet after finding flawed parts in the horizontal stabilizer during production. That means it'll have to inspect and repair, if necessary, 90 already-built Dreamliners waiting to be delivered, as well as the ones now on its assembly lines in South Carolina. It's the latest snafu for Boeing's Dreamliner. Production of that aircraft shut down for nearly two years after defects were found in how sections of its fuselage were joined before it got the all clear from the FAA last August. Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. China's biggest banks have reportedly been asked by authorities to lower their deposit rates. Bloomberg's Joanne Wong has more. Bank of China, ICBC and Bank of Communications were said to be advised to cut rates on a range of products. Sources say that includes on-demand deposits by five basis points and three-year and five-year time deposits by at least 10 basis points. We're told the cut may happen as soon as this week. And this will be the second time in less than a year. Authorities have been seeking to boost lending to bolster a slowing economy. Cutting deposit rates would lower costs for the banks. In theory, that would allow them to reduce lending rates over time. And by extension, it would be more attractive for consumers and businesses to borrow. That said, lower deposit rates would make it less attractive for ordinary consumers to park their cash at the banks. In Hong Kong, Joanne Wong, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. 
I'm Brian Curtis, along with Doug Krisner. Rashad Salama will join us in a few moments. Uh, uh, cutting deposit rates by five basis points doesn't sound too much, uh, but demand deposits only pay 25 basis points at the moment. So that's a step in a certain direction, Doug. Yeah, if you look at the weekly activity index from Bloomberg Economics, if you consider the fact that things like car and home sales, online searches for jobs, everything that we're seeing right now in terms of high-frequency data where China is concerned should really indicating that the recovery has stalled or did stall in the month of May. In fact, the Bloomberg uh, Weekly Activity Index, Brian, is back below levels we saw in 2019. That seems hard to believe. Yeah, and it's also interesting, is the same thing happening in the United States? Because it's also been a little bit of a transition here of late. It's it's pretty early in this strange phenomenon that has developed where you get some cyclicals, Doug, pay, playing catch-up to the S&P 500. But it, it's definitely been happening in June. Uh, and, you know, it seems odd if the U.S. economy is actually slowing to the point where it could conceivably drift into recession. Yeah, and so, it, yeah. what you're saying there reminds me of a comment made today by the CEO of Apollo Global Management, Mark Rowan. He was saying the U.S. is having a non-recession recession. So mm. financial markets feel some pain while the underlying economy does remain strong. Look at the employment report that we had just last week. Yeah, it's a very peculiar environment. It's not easy to draw on lessons from history. Um, you can imagine that there's some frustration creeping into investors who piled into short-term treasuries, getting 45 to 5%, and now the NASDAQ 100 has returned 33% year to date. Now, that's not just one stock. That's an index of 100 well-known names. So if you got bearish and conservative, well, you're not getting a lot of love at your dinner parties now, are you? <laughs> and then you have the Fed meeting next week. I think the market right now is convinced that the Fed will go on hold, although create uh, maybe an option, some optionality for a rate hike later on this year. Today, though, uh, the former vice chair of the Fed, Richard Clarida, was saying he's thinking it's unlikely that the Fed will begin cutting rates until 2024. Yeah, that might be a good thing for the bulls. You know, cutting rates, say, in a few months, that would uh, send some, some bad signs, I suppose. All right, we are here at 10 minutes past the hour. It's time for global news. Reports emerging that high-level China-U.S. talks will happen in the coming weeks. Ed Baxter with Global News in the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, that's right, Brian. This is the U.S. looks to resume the high-level talks. Bloomberg sources say he will meet with other high-level officials. Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Hordern. He'll be meeting with officials, likely his counterpart, but there's also the possibility, and this would really be the win for the Biden administration, um, and potentially also as well for the Chinese Communist Party, is he'll be meeting, potentially, possibly, with Xi Jinping. Yeah, and Anne-Marie says the hope then, too, is that it will open the door for others. Others have expressed desire to go. And of course, Bloomberg's Wendy Benjaminson says the U.S. has political implications as well. Going into the election, I think it will be um, who can be the most hawkish on China. But I also think voters want to see a steady hand, responsible hand, mm -hmm. and not war. So they will, they, even if they're being hawkish, I think they will try, the Democrats are being hawkish, I think they will try to sound reasonable and responsible. Yeah, so coming weeks, they say. Both Ukraine and Russia are blaming each other for the breach of the Novokokieva Dam and the Dnipro River. It threatens power supplies and also the Zapoforia nuclear power plant nearby. National Security Coordinator John Kirby says the U.S. is definitely watching. We know there are casualties, including likely many deaths. 
though these are early reports and we cannot quantify them right now. Yeah, it leaves more for Ukraine to manage while in the midst of a counteroffensive. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, meanwhile, has opposed a push by fellow Republican hawks to expedite more funding for Ukraine. He also says he will block any bill that undercuts the new caps on U.S. spending. He says he has not ruled out further funding, that there is no need for a rush. And President Joe Biden heading into a cabinet meeting today. Today we're going to discuss the progress we're making investing in America and the steps each agency around the table here has taken to build on that progress and finish the job, because we're not finished yet. We have more to do. And that's the U.S. He says that uh, there will be continued support for Ukraine as well. And on a much lighter note, the president over the golf weekend. I plan on being a PGA. Yeah, uh, PGA live, Mr. President. Uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie will formally announce his run for president, scheduled for about half an hour in New Hampshire. Uh, he has taken out the papers. Republican strategist and Bloomberg contributor Lisa Cabuso Miller says Christie brings something new. He will not be afraid to go after Donald Trump. He really does cut through a lot of that nonsense and calls up what the facts really are. And that, I think, of all the strategists that I see on these campaigns, the team that he is assembling are amongst the best Republican operatives I know. They are some of the sharpest. They know how to build a campaign in a way that that others perhaps haven't in the past. Uh, Christy putting a lot of chips in a good showing in New Hampshire. And China's crackdown on entertainment even now hit the gay pride events. First wave of last-minute concert cancellations and gatherings started last month, continuing now. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. I'm Brian Curtis in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat, and our guest is Anne Maletti, head of active equity at Allspring Global Investments. And so looking at the Wall Street here, we're not exactly performing like a bull market, uh, given some of the inner metrics, but then not exactly like a bear market either, up 20% over seven to eight months and higher lows every time we get a dip. How do you see things moving here over the next three to nine months? Well, I think you ask a really important question. It is a confusing market for many investors today. And I think what we're doing is really looking bottom up and looking at company by company and trying to find the best opportunities out there. And they do exist. But 
you have to look carefully, as you suggested, those companies at the top, some would call them the Magnificent Seven, have really um, taken the, the news by storm and really controlled the narrative. Those sure, are the sure. Ones, but I, yeah. I, know, I know people really think that. That's why I mentioned yeah. the NASDAQ 100 itself has yeah. gained 33%. So, yep. you know, that's a, that, is, that is itself dominated by those it big has. names. But still, you can buy the cues easy. You can. And, and I do think what we're seeing is when you even ignore the large cap tech names, there is a lot of interesting companies that are performing underneath. And really, what's, Brian, what's most interesting is that instead of being driven by just macro, 2023 stocks are moving because of fundamentals. And that's really important, and it actually bodes well for stock pickers and active management. And our and our teams are doing really well this year because of that. Yeah, but and this brings us nicely to talk about how do you th- think that earnings are being reflected in the stock prices, and do you think that the outlook for the second half of this year is looking rather optimistic? Well, you know. I think we do have some challenges ahead, and we've seen some of the challenges throughout this earnings cycle. It wasn't easy for everyone. We've seen some margin compression, we've seen some blips, and that's why it's not the right time to own everything. It's the time to be really selective. Mm -hmm. Some companies are gonna see continued challenges ahead and continued margin pressures. Others will be able to thrive and survive in this type of environment. But I think, Rashad, you're right. I see more clouds in the sky and potentially storms ahead. And so investors are going to have to continue to be very, very thoughtful and careful about the names that they are investing in. It's tempting to think that you have this one big story of artificial intelligence mm-hmm. that is is so big. I mean, it, it's like... If you look at three big waves, the internet, then mobile and cloud as the mm-hmm. second one, and now AI, is it big enough that it kind of changes the story going forward? And maybe, uh, you know, if we didn't have the market telling us this, we might think we're drifting into recession. So, you know, make sure you have strong umbrella. <laughs> but now you've got, you know, this kind of winning product that could change everything about the way the companies can do business, lower costs, improve their margins and such. Yeah, I do. You know, when I talk to our investment professionals, it is clear that regenerative uh, regenerative AI, it's a real thing. This is not something that is going to go away overnight. That being said, it's not something that's going to change every company overnight either. These things happen. It's not a smooth path. There's bumps along the road. And um, remember, it changes the competitive landscape, which means there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. And so it's, it creates a lot more work and a lot more analysis to try to pick through who can be the winners and who are going to be the losers. And so don't expect it to be a smooth path. I just asked your chat GBT who's the winners and losers are, surely. I would love to know the answer. Exactly. Everybody's going to have chat GPT mm-hmm. or some sort of form of AI as their personal advisor. Yes. And it's, it's going to tell you everything about how to improve things that you do every day. Uh, you, you Google it, <laughs> you know, you get 10, 20, 30 things you have to read through and then mm-hmm. you have to piece together and you have to compare and then finally come to a decision. Now somebody's going to do that for you. It's going to dis- disintermediate, disintermediate a lot of businesses, but it's not going to replace many others. 
Who is still going to come and do the plumbing in your house? Who's going to do the electrical work in your house? You know, I mean, there's, when we talk about AI, it's going to add a lot of efficiency to a lot of businesses, but it's not going to replace everything. And again, I'm talking about, you know, some very specific trades, but, it, but if it's just an easy way to think about it. it it's not going to change everything overnight. I even think about the asset management business it can create a lot of efficiencies in certain business models, maybe back in the operational side, et cetera. But is chat GDP really going to be able to pick stocks better than our active management better than our active managers? Probably not in the first couple of years, at least, right? And it still is going to take human beings to teach, you know, the AI to be able to do this over time. Um, it seems, and that you, and, and just going back to your strategy here as well, that you know you, you're more sort of bottom up than uh, yes. top down. Um, so, what do you look for, and what have you been buying then? And you did, I'm probably not going to be stock specific, but give us an idea of the industry groups. Yeah, well, one of the things you know, we started the conversation by you know some very large groups really controlling a big part of the market. And you know, if you just take, for example, you know, Apple's market cap, it's approaching $3 trillion. I know it's something everybody's talking a lot about. If you, if you take the, the entire Russell 2000 index, that index is less than the market cap of Apple today. And so if you look at all of the names underneath that, so kind of up the small and, and mid-cap space, I think there's a lot of opportunity still for investors there. I do think even the emerging markets are a place that have underperformed for a very long time. I know there's a lot of discussion around whether the U.S. is the best place to be or not, but I do believe there's many emerging markets that are offering good risk-reward here. And when I talk to our investment teams that manage those markets, given the stability of the dollar and some pressure with the dollar that we've seen this year, I I do think that that could be another um, opportune place to invest. Just 30 seconds on China. You know, I, I, you know, I know I heard you earlier talking about the Chinese banks. I I do think that is a sign that, um, the government's a little bit worried about the uneven recovery that they've seen there. And so it is right, I think, to be a little bit cautious about China, but they're headed in the right direction by adding that stimulus. We're not going to see the same kind of stimulus that we get here, but it's the right direction. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices, Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. 
Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.